Greetings, oh, Earthlings. We have now taken over your radio. Help the South Shore Radio Show. Oh, hello there, everybody. I kind of like my intro better because I am not, nor will I ever be, the mouth of the South Shore, Eric Cordova. Oh, no, I am. I, I, I don't have a nickname for myself. It's been a long time since I've done this solo. I'm the crap, and you are listening to the Mouth of the South Shore radio show right here on the Wrestling Perspective Network, which is brought to you by BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code WPP. Just pay $5 shipping. And now that we got that out of the way, hello and happy new year to all of our listeners. Most of our listeners, if, if you observe New Year's Eve, is there anybody who can't observe New Year's Eve? Let us know. Do us a favor, call in 714-694-4126. We have a lot to talk about tonight. We have the Wrestle Kingdom coming up, I believe, in a matter of hours. We have a new wrestling promotion on the horizon that can, and I hope so because I'm a skeptical human being, uh, put the fear of God in Vincent Kennedy McMahon because we all know that he needs to be scared of some competition. But we have ourselves a post-New Year Raw, and more importantly, at least to me, a post-New Year SmackDown to talk about. Things happened on Raw that I don't really care about, but I care about what happened on SmackDown. More specifically, I care about the return of the 16-time world heavyweight champion, John Cena. And more importantly than him, I care about who he was lucky enough to share a ring with. Putting Becky Lynch in the same ring as John Evelyn Cena is not the ultimate endorsement of this woman, everything that she did from SummerSlam on this year. I don't know what is. She held her own, went toe-to-toe with the champ on the mic, and maybe you can make the argument that she even won when she was talking to Cena. The two of them, of course, also formed an impromptu tag team when they went up against Andrade, Cien, Almas, and Zelina Vega. And mid-five move of doom, the whole internet wrestling community had to change their pants. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Becky Lynch lived out all of our wildest fantasies. And in the middle of the five moves of doom, she took John Cena by the jorts and threw him out of a ring. Encountered a roll-up into a submission, forcing Zelina Vega to tap out to the disarmor, thus securing the victory for her and John Cena, but I am so freaking stoked that the uh, 
for those of you who don't know me, and that could be a lot of you because I haven't been on in quite some time, I am, I, I think the word skeptical would be a nice way to describe what I am. I call myself a realist. A lot of people might call me a pessimist, and good for them. But, but ever since SummerSlam, and because it's WWE, I had a sneaking suspicion that they would just drop the ball with, with handling with, with how they handle Becky Lynch, you know what I mean? Because every time they've had a hot commodity, they've found a way to just destroy it. And, and, and I sat there the night, two, two nights after SummerSlam, that SmackDown, waiting for them to drop the ball. And a month later, and two months later, and then Becky won the Women's Championship. And I said, okay, maybe they're not going to drop the ball. And they didn't. And not only that, this is the first time in my recent memory that they actually capitalized on the heat somebody has right away and thrust them into superstardom. They didn't capitalize on time with Rusev. They refused to capitalize on Braun Strowman or Seth Rollins, this awkward Bane Dean Ambrose thing that they have going on Monday nights. It's a little bit weird. It doesn't really capture the heat the way I'd like it to, but that's because I'm a demanding bastard. But what the WWE is doing with Becky Lynch is mind-blowing to me. And maybe it's because this is 2018 leading into 2019. If you're not living under a rock, you know that women have really taken the forefront in society in terms of women should have the same opportunities as men and the whole thing. And WWE, at least on Monday nights, likes to rub that in our faces. Women have their own pay-per-view. Women have their own isn't that exciting? Um, the host pin I'm being asked for. So I'm going to go ahead and give that to a buddy of mine who you might know slightly better than me. But I'm going to continue to talk about how amazing Becky Lynch is, whether he likes it or not, because quite frankly, I do love me some Becky Lynch. So the, what, what the WWE has done for, for women in general. And it, it's insane to me that the flag bearer of the company, not, not, not just the women's division of the company can end up being somebody who is doing a grand total of nothing in mid August. Becky Lynch was barely featured. And all of a sudden she's putting, being put at the top of the hour which those of you who know about ratings know being at the top of the hour is a big deal. That's when a lot of people decide to tune in. Being put with John Cena and being put in a position to be looked at better than John Cena had been looked at, which is, it makes, I I don't use this word very often, but it makes me just so happy. So happy. Oh, I thought I heard somebody come on real quick. No, why, why, why are people not being able to call in? The number is 714-694-4126. I, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am speechless at this point in time. Uh, but SmackDown was really good. The Miz and Shane McMahon are going to be an item, which is ultimately going to lead to a match at WrestleMania. 
Uh, you heard it here first or second or third or whoever said it before me. Good for you. But I'm 97% positive that's leading to a match at WrestleMania. Um, Mustafa Ali is a thing on SmackDown, which I still don't really get if I'm being completely honest with you. And hopefully this person can help me out because it's finally time for him to come on his own show. The mouth of the South Shore is here, and maybe you can help me. What's the deal with Mustafa Ali? Why do people like him so much? Have you watched Mustafa Ali for more than five seconds? No, not really. I mean, that's a lie. I take that back. It's kind of a lie. I I like... Okay. I know I I'm one of the 14 people, people that have watched 205 Live. I like more than I like Mustafa Ali. No, uh, honestly, that show outside of, you know, the Neville run like last year has been basically devoid of a lot of interesting things. The one interesting thing they did now was Mustafa Ali's rise from mediocre, blending the crowd guy to easily the most relatable and most interesting baby face that they've had. He's, in a lot of ways, the Johnny Gargano of 205 Live. And the cool thing is that if this was like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, just the name Mustafa Ali would have made him a bad guy in WWE. But it's not even an option now, which is really cool. That that's more. I was talking about how progressive WWE has been with the whole women thing, and now on Mondays they shove it down your throat. Imagine if Mustafa Ali was promoted to Raw. It, it, it would. I, I I shudder to think how often Stephanie McMahon, and I said Stephanie. I don't know why there is a P in there, but it's on what Stephanie McMahon would say every week about Mustafa Ali being a historic figure in WWE. It makes me want to cry just thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, thankfully they haven't gone that direction. But yeah, I mean, the idea is that, and this is what, for me, true progress is, when you treat people like they're just talented people, instead of making a big deal about the first this or the first that. Like, he's just a really talented guy. He's a lot of fun to watch. Thanks for being an incredible co-host. What did I do? You you missed my rant about that exact thing at the beginning of the show. Now, SmackDown is very good good at just letting things happen. Well, then good. We're on the same page. Yeah. Like the, the, the example I brought up, and I'm sure you have something to say about this, is how they treated Becky Lynch as an equal to John freaking Cena at the top of the hour on the first show of 2019. Not yeah, because she was I mean, a woman. Not because she, she – it's because she is the hottest thing in the company right now, and it just so happens to be that she's a woman. She – she might as well be the face of the company at this point. And for the first time in the company's history, it could be a woman, but that's not being forced at us because Becky's just that good. So what you're saying is she's the man. I am saying she is the face that runs the place. Ah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and, and that's what, and look, I don't want to toot her on horns or bury Horowitz ourselves and pat ourselves in the back too hard. But when we started this show, and those who go back to our blog talk days, the original blog talk days, will remember that we used to talk about this stuff. You know, we used to talk about doing stuff like, you know, Women's Royal Rumble and a Women's Money in the Bank. And I said, look, when those things become commonplace, and it doesn't seem crazy to do those things, 
that's when we're going to have like a truly, you know, dynamic product because it's just, you know, it's just treated like that's what should happen, right? Like there's a women's division. They should have their, these things well, happen, right? I'm, I'm excited and, for this year's Royal Rumble and we are in prime Royal Rumble season just because we're not going to get the every week unless they're going to do it's the historic second ever women's Royal Rumble. But we're just going to have a women's Royal Rumble and it's not going to be treated like the world's biggest thing. More on that in yeah, a uh, minute. Yeah, and I look at it like this. Here's what I'm afraid of with the women's Royal Rumble. I have one fear with it, and it's that WWE doesn't remember their own history. What I mean by that is it's okay sometimes to go with the obvious winner. Okay, there is a very obvious winner for the Women's Royal Rumble this year. And it's the person you just mentioned, Becky Lynch. This should be this should be a layup. She wins the Royal Rumble, she goes after Ronda Rousey. Simple, right? This is the yeah. match everyone wants to see. Biggest star in the company right now. I'm looking at it like it's 1998. Everyone and their mother knew that Steve Austin was going to win the Rumble. That doesn't make it the wrong decision. Not everything has to be a surprise. Sometimes it's just about giving the people what they want. That's it. I'm hoping WWE doesn't overthink it and, you know, try to do something else. Give the people what they want. Old Kravit would be the most skeptical person in the world and say, of course they'll ruin it. It's the WWE. But this Kravit that you're talking to here and now and try not to gasp and shock and all on air might actually have some faith in the WWE solely because of how they've handled the face turn of Becky Lynch so properly. That's the only reason why. Yeah. But it's, 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 not, it's not an impossible thing. They've shown that they can actually do something correctly if they know what they should do. And right now it seems like they know how they should handle Becky Lynch and the fact that she's the hottest commodity in the company. That being said, Old Crab is still here somewhere, and there's a little part of my mind saying, you're dumb, stop being so dumb, they're the WWE, they're going to ruin it. Well, as I said last week, I still think there's a part of them that still thinks that it's Charlotte. It's not Becky, it's Charlotte, and all we got to do is show the people that Charlotte is better than Becky. She's a better version of that because she's Charlotte Flair. And as I said... Sometimes you have to just let the fans dictate what it is. There have been plenty of times where I'm sure, and I can point to many of them, where the WWE had an idea of a guy that they thought would be the guy or the girl or whatever it was, and the fans took it another direction, right? I mean, I'm sure most people would point to the Daniel Bryan Batista thing in 2014. I'm not going to because Batista was already a star at that point. It didn't matter that Daniel Bryan got the title. Batista's Batista. He's going to strut around them skinny jeans no matter what you do. But the moral of the story is very simple. It comes down to something that's just as old as time. A tale as old Beauty as time. Beauty and the Beast. A song as old as rhyme. That's right. But that yeah. is sometimes just go with what makes sense. Listen, they, they said it on Raw, right? They said, listen to the people. 
we're going to do that. So do it. You know, don't go back on your word three weeks later. Well, I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. Do you know how many times and how many iterations people have said in the WWE, we listen to our fans, we care about our fans, our fans are everything. They even go on those like garbage talk shows and be like, we listen to our fans because we're so unique. We have our live audience and they dictate the show every week. No, we don't. It, it couldn't be more obvious that nobody in that crowd dictates what happens except on the incredibly rare occasion and I'm proud to say Becky Lynch is a part of those very rare occasions. The last time we had something like this in WWE Listen was Daniel Bryan in 2014. You're right. And it is more lip service than it often is actual service to the fans. It often is. And it's kind of a shame. But that has been the reality. But sometimes they just get it right. Sometimes they just get it right, which is... A nice Somebody behind you thing. fabulous. That's, Let me tell you. Well, there's a lot of Becky Lynch fans in this world, and uh, that's who you, who you encounter. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you talk about Becky Lynch and you get a sing-song in the background. I do. Uh, sometimes I even put on the steampunk goggles. And No, actually, you know what I like? I'll tell you, I, um, I, ch- I checked out the, you know, when I checked out SmackDown, Becky Lynch is coming out with the T-shirt. And the jean shorts, and her look is changing to the character that she's playing. And I was waiting for that to happen because at some point you have to start walking the walk. And I loved, I loved the look that she had when she was bloody, right? The jeans and the cut off blue t shirt. And I said, look, there was something about when you were able to do still shots with that moment, it looked good. It just looked good, right? That doesn't happen if she's wearing, like, some goofy outfit, right? Like, if she's wearing, you know, some ridiculous thing with plaid and stuff, which, look, that was a character that worked for her for a while. But now her character has changed. And I'm glad that she's evolving. And I think this is important for all wrestlers to do. I think when you evolve your character, part of what you have to do is evolve the wardrobe and you have to evolve the, you know, the hair, whatever it is. The people who are the best at this business, they do that. So I was happy to see that. That was a positive for me. And that tells me either she gets it or WWE gets it, that you have to live that role. It's sort of difficult to say that that the character doesn't get it. It's very rare that somebody is as hot as a Daniel Bryan or a Becky Lynch is in this business, and they don't understand where their character is supposed to be. It just doesn't happen like that very often. Right. But, you know, I am interested oftentimes in seeing those kind of things. What, uh, going back to one of my favorite runs, Chris Jericho becomes the bad guy in 2008, 2009, and he completely alters everything that made him popular, right? He had come mm-hmm. back with short hair. It is what it is, right? So he gets rid of the, you know, the flashy outfits. He goes to wearing the suits all the time. He doesn't wear any and doesn't sell any merchandise, which – Brings me to our next topic we haven't gotten into. You know that uh, apparently there's some backlash over the fact that Daniel Bryan isn't selling merchandise right now? Who's giving him backlash? The company? I I don't even know. I I heard this story, and I went, my guess is 
A, he's not hurting for money. <laughs> and B, he's the champion, and he's a bad guy. I wish more bad guys would not sell merchandise. It's not the point. And, I, and, and we're going to get into this when we get into – I'm sure you have it on the docket talking about all elite wrestling. We're going to talk about that well, later. Well, nothing I have matters because you're here now. So go. Talk. Make yourself happy. All right. So I, I want to I tie these two ideas in together, okay? Now, you have Daniel Bryan, the bad guy. He's the, you know, the goat-faced vegan that's, you know, uh, preaching to the masses about, you know, why they shouldn't be cheering for him because they're not, they're not worthy of the life that he lives and things like that, right? I, I, I dig the gimmick. I also dig the fact that he ain't selling merchandise because he shouldn't be, okay? It's not about him putting – again, he's done the gimmick where he crossed out the yes on his shirt. He's done that before. Okay, he's doing something different, and it's not about it's. It shouldn't always be about selling T-shirts. To be okay? fair, I've never seen, and I'm on the uh, wrestling dirty sheets fairly often. Um, I've never once seen anybody complain about Daniel Bryan not selling merchandise. Because smart fans like you and me, and I called you smart, uh, timestamp this when you go ahead and edit it, know that in order to be a good heel, you actually need to get the heel heat. Because nowadays, it's really cool to be the bad guy that everybody likes. You look at the Undisputed Era, who is a perfect example. They're supposed to be bad guys, but they're so goddamn cool that it's impossible to hate them. You see everybody in crowds with the armbands, with the T-shirts, with the Cole Bay Bay. Heath Slater should still sue for gimmick infringement. I'm not going to stop until he does. It's rare that right. you have a guy like Daniel Bryan who will do that, but he gets it. He, he's been in wrestling forever. He knows what it takes to be a popular heel. And by popular, I mean a good heel. And he knows how yeah. to further that. Because a lot of people just want to be liked. A lot of the bad guys want to be liked by people like us, the cool fans who want to, who have I, their finger on the pulse of what's going on in wrestling. But to have I the agree. confidence and, that Brian has in himself and his character and to not have to sell merchandise with it shows that he gets being a heel. Right. And, and for a short period of time, I, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm sure the fans do. Adam Cole... Bay Bay was in another group. They were called the Bullet Club. Remember those guys? I know who they are. A lot of people do. In fact, uh, I guess some of the old members of that group will be participating in the upcoming, and by upcoming, I mean it's legit in hours from now, uh, Wrestle Kingdom event. Um, but more than that, it was announced that all elite wrestling is actually going to be a thing. What that thing is, I don't know. This could be akin to global force wrestling. Remember when that was a thing for like a hot second? Could I be that. Think, I, I mean, I didn't have this on the docket for another at least 10 minutes. We can get into it now. That's fine. I'm excited for this. They actually have a financial backer who, who knows wrestling. Um, he's the brother of the Jaguars owner. He's, he's a con. They have money like crazy. He was reporting to Dave Meltzer and the Observer in like 2004. He wrote a house show report for him, wrote about a Taboo Tuesday event. So he, he, yeah, he knows I, enough I about wanna, I want to tie involved. this in because – Go for it. Here's, here's what I want to tie in. Okay. Care. All Elite Wrestling was a bunch of guys who are in 
the Bullet Club Elite, right? It's Cody Rhodes, it's the, um, the Hangman Page, and it's the, the the Young Bucks, right? It's all these guys that are, have been kind of on the cutting edge of modern wrestling and doing the uh, being the elite show, but they're all in one group. And look, we all know that the Bullet Club was originally conceived as you know just sort of like a a throw in a throwback to the groups of the nineties, right? They would do the suckets and the two sweet and whatever. I'm getting a little bit nervous that all elite wrestling is going to be what Eric Bischoff envisioned in 1998, which was an all NWO wrestling program that they actually, and I don't know if you remember this, but they actually tried and failed miserably to make WCW Nitro into NWO Nitro. I remember that happening, and I think I, I know where you're coming from, but I think you couldn't be any more incorrect with your... your well, what I'm worried about is, are they just going to be a group on the show? Like, what's the what's the end goal? Are they going to be the elite, and and other people are going to come onto their show and try to challenge them? Like, what's what's well, the end goal? And and what is what is the goal in general? Because we Can have a lot of wrestling I'll right tell now. you what the goal is. Damn. All right, you tell me. Good, then. <laughs> the, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are three of the smartest wrestling minds we have going right now, at least in my opinion. Okay. They're, Eric Bischoff did not know wrestling before he started at WCW. Cody Rhodes was born into it by the time Bischoff had seen professional wrestling. He was already a man. Cody Rose is born into it and molded by it, okay? He he knows what he's doing. I, I don't think that he or the Young Bucks, who also have an incredible talent for doing things really well, are, are going to fall into the pit trap of, we're the Young Bucks. We're the elite. Everybody's going to have to come in and, 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 and job to us, and we're going to be NWO 2.0. I, I cannot and will not see that be the case because it's just not going to happen. And that's fine. I, I do I buy that, but here's my question. We already have Impact Wrestling, Lucha Underground, Japan Wrestling, we have Ring of Honor, we have Major League Wrestling, we have a lot of wrestling television shows already out there. So are they going to be a television program? Are they but going yes, to be like they're looking for T V deals? So then are we looking at the demise of some of these other programs? Like, what is – where do they fit into the market? Because let's don't. not kid ourselves. I'm gonna, there, there are plenty of wrestling fans out there who don't know anything about Major League Wrestling. There are wrestling fans out there who don't know what Ring of Honor is. There are wrestling fans out there who don't know what Lucha Underground is. The AEW. Oh, but the, the thing that makes this different – from all of those other groups, including TNA, I'm going to include Impact Wrestling in this, is the financial backing they have is nothing like anything we've seen since WCW. I'm not going to sit here and say the Carters have that kind of money. I'm not going to sit here and say whoever has, whoever backs the MLW has that kind of money. Billy Corgan and the NWA don't have that kind of money. And they don't have the face of Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks 
who are more popular than almost any other wrestler on the planet. Well, let, and that includes a bunch play, of WWE wait. guys. I'm going to go ahead and say yeah, that. Yeah, let's They're play more fair. 80% of the WWE roster. With those two yeah, guys, backing they have, they can technically get a good TV deal that might be enough to scare the McMahons. Okay, let, let's fight fair, though. TNA, under the Carters, did have more money than whatever this is. They had a lot of money. I don't And think they went so. out and spent it. I, I can prove it to you. Look at the guys they brought in. They brought in high-priced talent. What they did with them may not have worked. But let's, let's not kid ourselves. For a, a period of time, and I'm going to give that time from about 2008 to 2012, they were a legitimate force to be reckoned with. And I'm not going to tell you they were competing with WWE. They weren't on that level. But they were a very clear number two in the wrestling world at that time. New Japan yeah, wasn't at the level they're at now. Two to a juggernaut number one doesn't mean anything. They were the, and, only, and that's all, they were the only wrestling show at that time with a national TV deal. Look, and that's all that all elite can be as well. No one's going to compete on a level with WWE, and that's fine. I'm not expecting that. But what I am saying is TNA did have a chance. Well, TNA put up like a 1-5 rating when Hulk Hogan came in, and they did that on occasion. They actually got well over 1.5 million viewers, which is like almost three-quarters of the way of what WWE gets these days. WWE's only getting like two and a quarter million. So TNA was actually at a level that is almost unheard of in today's wrestling as far as what you can do if you're not WWE. They were doing big things for that time. They squandered it because they made a lot of mistakes. But let's not take away from the fact of what they did. So my question is, how are the people that are running all elite going to avoid making the same mistakes that impact wrestling made or TNA or whatever you want to call it. Because you, you could have had that same excitement. You could have said, well, look, impact wrestling is being run by Jeff Jarrett, who was born into wrestling. Right. And he's bringing along his father who ran a wrestling promotion in, you know, in Tennessee or Kentucky or whatever, one of those middle States he's from. Right. And he was bringing along people that had been successful in wrestling. He had wrestling minds. Jim Cornette was there originally writing stuff. And they had Vince Russo, God bless his soul. I mean, they had a lot of legit pieces. What is, my question is, what is All Elite going to do differently to avoid the mistakes of the second promotion's past? I'm, I'm playing Ebenezer Scrooge. How am I going to show them the past? so that they don't make the same mistakes in the future. What should I show them, and how can they avoid it? Oh, that was an actual question. Yes, it was. That was an actual question I'm asking you. I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about how big of a show this is. And how big... It's going to be a big event. There's also going to be a double or nothing all in two. But honestly, all of that pales in comparison to how big you'll be when you try Blue Chew. Do you know what Blue Chew is? I know you're going to tell me. I am going to tell you. Blue Chew, like the color blue, it's the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. And we all know what that does. It gets you ready. It gets you pumping and dumping like a mother. 
And if you use the code WPP, that's right, WPP, you get a free shipment. Your first shipment is free. And all you do is pay $5 shipping when you use our code. That's right, bluechew.com. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but if you need a stiffy and a jiffy, go ahead and visit bluechew.com. Ah, there it is. I cannot believe I said that. (laughs) You know, I I would – all I got to say is I must be rubbing off on you. Oh, I hope hope you're not taking bluechew when you do that. (laughs) I might because I got my first shipment free. Uh, See how that works? I, mean, I, I know you're old and I know you need it, so I'm glad you're finally <laughs> getting the help you need. Hey, you know, uh, some of our listeners, this this may be the, the very thing that uh, that saves the marriage, that gets it going. You never know. If that's what you need to save your marriage, then you're doing something terribly wrong. Maybe so. I'll find out in what, about eight months? Uh, eight- nine Nine months. No. No, eight months. You? Eight months. Seven months? Yeah. Something like that. There are months yeah. involved. Something like that. Uh, yeah, some marriages this year. So, uh, but, but but back to the topic at hand, of course, we can uh, shill pills all day long. But, yeah, my question for you before we had to do our plug was, what mistakes must they avoid and how – is All Elite going to be different than TNA, who peaked as a really strong second promotion? How are they going to be different? Because they have history to look back on. They, what, what the issue is with TNA is they still let Hulk Hogan and that, that, that crew of guys have, have their creative control and do what they wanted to do, and that is what ultimately led to the downfall of you know, that portion of TNA. Let's start with this then, because I think one of the issues that people always had with TNA was they were always bringing in those old WWE guys, right? It was seen as, well, when guys are no longer useful to WWE, they went to TNA. And while that was somewhat accurate, some of those guys were very useful to TNA, like Jeff Hardy, Kurt Angle, Christian, right? So it's not like you should totally avoid that idea, but here's my question. You're all elite wrestling. You, you got to build a rock. one-off questions tonight. Well, yeah, I might, but uh, you you you're building a roster because you need that if you're going to put on a television show. You got the Cody, you got the Young Bucks, you got the Hangman Page. Who else do I need to get? Give me like your top five. Can't be signed to WWE. Need to get them on the all elite roster in order to make this a success. Who's the top five? Repeat the question. Top five guys that are not signed to WWE that All Elite needs to have on their show. Well, three of them are already there. It's Cody and the Young Bucks. Not those guys. I'm not talking about the guys we already know are going to be there. I'm talking about the guys that we don't know are going to be there. So you already have the Cody, the Hangman Page, the Young Bucks, right? Like, and Marty Scroll. I think those are the five, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of those five, I need five more guys that need to be a part of this promotion to make it successful. Do tag teams count as one person or two? I'll say one because I want to get more more names out there. What do you got? Okay, so the Lucha Bros, 
are, I'm going to say, need to be there. The Lucha Bros are Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. I think they would okay. be huge for a promotion like that. I'm trying to think of other pro- prolific independent guys. I can't really do it off the top of my head. Uh, maybe Daniels is like an authority figure who wrestles every once in a while. I think that would be really cool to have because you can't have Cody and the Young Bucks be the authority figure on the show. Maybe Jeff Cobb. I think if you want to really have an up-and-coming indie name, Jeff Cobb is literally the perfect person to go ahead and do that for you. So keep an eye on Jeff Cobb for this. I'm going to count that as four, and the fifth is going to be a little bit of a shock because that's what I do. I shock people when I look at them and they see my face. Bill Goldberg. Is it the Shockmaster? What was that? Is it the Shockmaster? No. It's Bill Goldberg. And I say Bill Goldberg because he followed on Twitter. We all know how incredible following something on Twitter is nowadays. He followed the AEW and the Double or Nothing official uh, Twitter handles. I guess they're called. That's what the kids are calling them. Uh, I think that is what they call them, yes. So the rumor mill is that churning that Bill Goldberg is going to be involved somehow. And getting a name like Bill Goldberg is huge. I don't think that can be understated. Other than he he had less than a four-month stint with the WWE, four or five months. But other than that, he hadn't wrestled since the early 2000s, except for one time at the big event at City Field. We got to see him deliver a jackknife suplex to one Luke Gallows. We did see that happen. That would be a jackhammer suplex. What did I call it? Jackknife? That would be what Kevin Nash does before he tears his quads. Yeah, that's fair. So I think Bill Goldberg can be a big name. And they might have to poach a guy or two from WWE, like a big name guy. Maybe like Jeff Hardy. Maybe like Samoa Joe. A name that will resonate with a more casual wrestling fan. More about the same as Bill Goldberg. I think those five people are people who would do well in the realm of AEW. I'm going to give you a couple names. Just give me a yes or no whether you think they're a good fit. Rob Van Dam. No. CM Punk. Won't happen. You got to reach out to him, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I know. He'll laugh, he'll laugh and hang up, but you have to. Yeah, I think you have to make that phone call. You know, I don't know how much money they have, but I, especially for a guy who claims to hate WWE, I know he hates wrestling, but, like, realistically, he hates WWE. So to be a part of something where he gets to compete with them, I'm I'm just saying – Maybe it's a better option than, you know, getting your ass handed to you in MMA. I'm just saying. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I just, just throwing it out there. All right. So what other names do we have out there? Because you gave some good independent names. I could throw some other ones out there I'm sure people would enjoy. Um, yeah, I'm sure names like, and what, one of my personal favorites, uh, I think they have to poach Impact's roster, honestly. You know, Impact has their champion is John uh, Hennigan or Johnny Impact. I think that's a good name to have on a roster. I like um, 
Who's the guy who calls everyone dummies? I like him. Drake? Eli Drake? Eli Drake. I like him. I think he'd be a good talent to have. You know, Impact's putting on a good show, but maybe they sort of consolidate and All Elite sort of takes over because a lot of guys were not were in there. Like Cody worked for Impact. The Young Bucks worked for Impact as Generation Me back in the day. Um, you know, so these guys have been there. It didn't work. Maybe Impact finally says, that's it. We're going we're gonna to not fold, but we're going to kind of be absorbed into AEW. Maybe that's the move. Maybe. Because they have a pretty strong roster right now. I mean, the things that they're doing, honestly, they've been putting on a good program. I know no one's watching it. They're only getting like 100,000 people watching each week, and now it's on the Pursuit Network, whatever that is. You know? Nah. I, I, don't think e- I don't think people who pay for the Pursuit Network know they have the Pursuit Network. That's Yeah, that's probably true. And, and that's the problem is that, you know, they keep bouncing around and whatever, but it took them, you know, a long time to finally put together a program that people actually like. And now that they're doing that, people have given up on it. So it's kind of a shame, but they do have a lot of talent there right now. They have some really cool tag teams, at least a couple of them. You know, they have, um, they actually have tag teams that were once the same name feuding against each other, which is kind of cool. But I'm wondering what they can do with that. I do think there are some names there. I gave you a couple that could work in conjunction with All Elite. Similarly, I I like a guy like Shane Strickland, who was champion in MLW, and then he has this big storyline where he like turned into a bad guy finally and whatnot. Talented guy. And I'm wondering if that's a guy that you could use. But you can't – the thing is, I don't think you can fully build on all these guys. I do think you need a couple of names. That's why I threw a name like Rob Van Dam out there. Because imagine you have a Shane Strickland, right? He comes in as this bad guy. If he beats a guy that, as a casual fan, you don't really know, that's all fine and good. If he beats Rob Van Dam, that kind of means something still to the casual fan. And that's why I think you need some names like that. You know who I'd like to see there? You're going to hate me for this one. You know who I want to see there? You're about to tell me. Big cast. Why not, man? <laughs> Why not? Why not have Big Cass debut? I mean, why the heck not? Because he you know, he can be so body. Does anybody what? know how he's doing after his seizure? Like, I don't, I, I don't have any updates, but since then he hasn't worked since then. That much I do know. I, if he's okay, like, I mean, he don't think that to be a wrestler. The, the, the guy could have been a doctor. Maybe he goes back That's... into that. Maybe he does. I, I don't know what his plans are, but I'm saying that's a guy who is fighting the now WWE champion just a year ago. Not even. Not even a year okay. ago. It was like I, I, May. I, I, I don't want. I don't want to say he was fighting him because he was not fighting him. All right, he was, he, he getting, was getting destroyed getting by him. Still beaten within five minutes of being still, in the same was, ring with him. He was a. Let's put it this way. He was a nope. more interesting Darren Corbin. Is that fair? Uh, because there's no, no one less Darren interesting Corbin than Darren right Corbin. Right now, he's more interesting than he's ever been. 
You disgust me. Tell me I'm wrong. I just, I can't stand Baron Corbin. And not in the, oh, he's a good heel kind of way. A, I don't understand why he's even on TV kind of way. I used to think that way. And for the past, like, month and a half, ever since he had that reign of Corbin bull malarkey. Can't believe I just said bull malarkey. Uh, he's been, I, I, I think he's been entertaining. Be honest with you. Right. And I'll teach their own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, I'm I'm thinking outside the box here, thinking if you can get names like that, help. Maybe they bring Enzo and Cass. In. I don't know. They don't work together you know? anymore. They don't like each other. I know. It's kind of a shame. Apparently, apparently Enzo only works by himself in arenas where he gets kicked out. So there's that. Yep. <laughs> no, actually, did you see the interview he gave about that? No. It was, like, oddly poignant. Like, he knew full well what he was doing. He, he didn't plan it going in, but he just thought, hell, you he know. He was wearing a shirt that, looked, that, that had the same lettering as the how you doing, but instead of that, right. it said, I'm doing fine. You mean to tell me that yeah. he didn't plan that? I called Maybe Jeanette. he did. Maybe he did, and his whole thing was he said, look. You know, Vince always appreciated people that were going, or, you know, looked to grab the brass ring. He's like, hey, I paid my own ticket to an event, and I'm going to get myself attention. Maybe that'll be a positive thing. I don't know. You know, I, I feel, I like, I kind of feel bad for the guy, and I kind of don't. Like, I feel bad in that he actually seems to understand that aspect of it, and I can appreciate that. I don't feel bad because apparently he's just not a well-liked guy. Like, apparently nobody likes the guy. So, if you're going to rub everyone the wrong way, you kind of reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time, I can always appreciate someone taking a little bit of initiative. I can. You know? You know what kind of That's guys take initiative? The type of guys that are having problems in the bedroom and take BlueChew.com. That's initiative. No? Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to even bother giving that the attention <laughs> you wanted to get. <laughs> All right. Well, what else did you have on the docket today? Because I know I got into my big thing, which is the announcement of All Elite. Did you deliver the bad news, though? There's plenty of black, plenty of bad news. I just don't know what particular bit of bad news you're speaking of. We had some, uh, we had a couple of passings this week in the wrestling world. Unfortunately, I did not get into that. I feel like we should, and um, I'm going to start with this one because, you know, we've been doing the uh, convention circuit for like eight years seven years, whatever it is. And one of the things you'll notice on the circuit is that you'll run into a lot of the same names. Like to the point where some of these people will remember you by name because, oh, you're the guy who has the radio show that shows up when we're in New York. Yeah. Right. And some of the people, a lot of people are very nice people. One of the nicest you'll ever have met was Mean Gene Orkeland. And uh, 
Like, I legitimately have never seen anyone walk out and be like, wow, that mean Gene, what a dick. Never. He's always great with Would the fans. Would you say one might say he was mean? Absolutely not. I think that's a bad <laughs> moniker. But, and I say this with absolute pride, you know that you're a legend. When everybody, when they think of any promo from the 80s, your name is in it. You also know you're a legend when Vince McMahon's Twitter account actually tweets about you. And when it, and you know it's him, not just the paid intern behind the keyboard, because that's what a lot of right. people do. Vince McMahon, it seemed like at least, himself sent out a tweet regarding what happened. And it was more than just your typical, oh, this person passed away, we're regretful, and the best of his family, whatever it is. That's not what happened. And it was kind of refreshing to see how heartfelt and how much everybody truly loved Mean Gene in the wrestling. You know what's amazing about Mean Gene Okerlund? You're about to tell me. There has been, there's been nobody since or prior, to do the job he did to any sort of acclaim on that level. I mean, it's a thankless job, backstage interviewer. Like, you're you're not an announcer. You're an interviewer. Your job is really, these days, to blend in with the furniture, right? And I say that, I say that with the utmost respect because I know it's still not an easy job. And uh, recently I was talking to Charlie Caruso about it. You know, she's one of those people now. And I don't say this to be a downer, but would it surprise you if Charlie Caruso wasn't doing it in a couple of years? No. Right, and it's no fault of her own. I'm just saying it's sort of we cycle through these guys, right? You know, some of some of them go on to become announcers, Renee Young, Michael Cole. I remember the days of Michael Cole and his stupid goatee, right? Remember those days? Ugh, don't remind me. Yeah. So some guys end up making that move. Mean Gene never made that move. He was just the most popular well, guy to ever do. Don't lie to our listeners like that. Mean Gene did call matches. He called one of my favorite matches of all time. What match was that? The Gimmick Battle Royal at WrestleMania 17. Okay. He did do that. That's fair. That was won by, uh, what, Sergeant Slaughter? No, the Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik, right, because he couldn't move. Yes, I remember that. Wasn't it wasn't as good as the throwback battle royal of like two thousand and eight? I think it was on Raw fifteen Raw or something. Raw fifteen. I think it was Raw fifteen. Where it was, where it was won by I forget who, and then Ted DiBiase bought him off because Ted DiBiase is awesome. Yup. It was it was one of the great Raw moments of all time. I agree. Absolutely, but I I, I do. You know, there were a couple other people that passed away in the wrestling world this week. Um, you know, guys who were more uh, world travelers as far as that goes. Of course, the one people know about is, you know, with the mean gene. And, you know, I was just thinking about this, though. Like, he died at 76. And somehow, some way in the wrestling world, like, wow, he had a long life. Mm-hmm. But realistically, 76 is not super long. Like... I remember my grandfather died at 75, and 
all everyone said at his funeral and stuff was, wow, he was so young. Like, that's the way people think. If you don't make it to at least, like, 80, like, they're like, wow, he was so young. You know, and we're like, well, he was 75. No, 75 is not, that's not enough of a life for people. And I, I will tell you, I, I do, because losing your grandpa at 12, and I'm just going to get a little personal here for a minute. My grandfather served in World War II. In fact, I actually just recently found a picture of him in Paris right after the end of the war with his uh, army battalion, whatever they call it. Really cool stuff. But I was 12 when he died. I didn't get a chance to really understand what his experiences were like with that and what it was like coming back from the war, you know, and meeting my grandma. Like, I I wish I could have asked him those questions at an age where I would have understood them. So while I understand that 75 is a good life, selfishly, I wanted more. And I think we all feel that way, like, wouldn't you say that selfishly you would have loved to have had Mean Gene Okerlund in New York this year for WrestleMania, 35 years after the original WrestleMania? I think I would appreciate like, that. Right? Isn't there like a part of you that's like, it just would have felt right to have Mean Gene Okerlund there? Uh-huh. You know, we, we, we've we lost so many. I mean, we've lost Gorilla. We've lost Bobby the Brain Heenan. You know, uh, We've we've now lost Mean Gene Okerlund. It's just it's an amazing thing that in our world, you you only go back thirty five years to where let's be honest, our world really began for a lot of people. WrestleMania and you know the advent of modern wrestling. And you look back at WrestleMania one, and how many of those guys are still around? I'll give you a hint. It's not that many. It's kind of it's a weird thing to think about, but it, it there's really not that many of them. You know, we we've lost so many guys. So, just you know, something to sleep on, something to think about. And my hope is, you know, when people think about today's product, that we don't ever have to think this way. You know, that we look at today's talent and the way that they condition their bodies in a safe way. And they work somewhat safer styles if we're not whacking people in the head with stuff and we're not blading. That maybe you will be able to take your children to meet Cody Rhodes. And maybe you'll get to, you know, meet John Cena and Triple H. You know, even though those guys may have been from last generation. Maybe you will get to take your grandkids to meet some of these people because they're still around. That's my hope. I don't know about you, but that's my hope. Oh, I, I thought you were tears? still talking. I thought I got you a little bit for clumped there. Oh, I I don't get for clumped. My okay. legs aren't like butter. I have no I have no affinity for Barbara. Like that, that's just not me. Barbara. Butter. Legs. He's like, it sounds Bada. like a really bad Zoolander commercial. Yeah, it really does. 
Like Zoolander so, 3, starring Mike Myers. Like, eh, no. Did you see Zoolander 2? I did. It was trash. It, it, you know, there's only a few sequels that I think if you make them years later would actually work. Zoolander wasn't really one of them. <laughs> but I think, we're, I think that what the world is waiting on, and correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the world waiting on another Mr. Mom? I think they are. I don't know what Mr. Mom is. So, homework for you to do. Go find out what Mr. Mom <laughs> uh, is. I, I just want to hear the defeat in your voice. That <laughs> I don't know what a movie is from your childhood. Thus affirming hey. that you are indeed how old I say you are. Do you know who the star of Mr. Mom is? It sounds like it would be a Hulk Hogan or Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. It absolutely is Boulder. Hulk Hogan, okay, whatever you want to right. call him, Sterling okay, so Golden. Okay, far off. Okay, not bad. It it is absolutely one of those terrible '80s movies that is just so so good. Ugh. It it's the one that like I'm not a, you know like we I feel like we do too much nostalgia these days, but there is something going back and watching an '80s movie and realizing how lousy some movies were in the '80s. And how much you can enjoy how lousy they really were. I'm not saying make it again now. I'm saying just, you know, enjoy it for the lousy. Like, you know what I did? You ever see uh, the movie Ted? Ugh, yeah. It was alright. We only have about 85 seconds left, so we can't get into how yeah. awkward Ted was. Okay, so I I loved the movie Ted, but what was great about it is they kept talking about Flash Gordon. So my buddies and I went back and watched the original Flash Gordon, and my, 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 what a piece of crap that movie is. It is the best, worst movie of all time. It's so, um, so no. bad. The best, worst movie is Master of Disguise starring Dana Carvey. Oh, that is a pretty terribly delicious movie. It is so right. bad. With 50 seconds left, is there anything else? We're like bringing it to Twitter and Instagram. Tell us which movie you liked more. Which terrible movie. We'll put it on there. We'll run it up the whole ZG. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday, the 3rd of January in the year 2019. Follow us on Twitter at MOTSS underscore radio or on Facebook.com backslash Mouth of the South Shore Radio. Cordova and I have other projects. You can find them all over the internet on Twitter on Facebook, in your hearts, on your mother's refrigerator. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is in about an hour or so. We have literally 10 seconds left, so thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week right here on the Wrestling Perspective Network. Have a good night. Peace.